Welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt, episode 86. I'm Nick Cole. Riding in the sidecar of Destiny is... Single White Medusa. This is Control-Alt-Revolt, the podcast. What episode are we on today? 86. Nice. Hey, who knew? You are climbing toward 100. I would never have imagined when I started... I I figured this would go three episodes. (laughs) Really? And then either the audience would lose interest in me... Nah. Or... I would lose interest in this, but you were the unknown variable, and I think it was you that captured the audience's heart, and then I saw how much joy you got on a daily basis of getting to do this, and then you sense people like you, and that made you happy, and so now you're always asking me, like, are we going to do podcasts? Are we going to do podcasts? And I'm all, shut up and leave me alone. I'm drinking. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, no, um, I, I don't think that's true, but thank you. No, you I was just asked me, like, are we going to do a podcast? Well, yeah, because I was going to say. I was sitting here drinking a grasshopper mocha, eating a churro, staring off into space, thinking about the coming war. Mm-hmm. And you're like, want to do a podcast? I'm like, no, I'm stacking commies in my head. Because I was going to say, I think the reason the podcast has gone on is because the audience is the unsung hero. Because... Oh my gosh, you just you just completed the master class in marketing where you make the audience the hero. True, but I'm not a good BSer, so I actually meant it. Like, <laughs> it's actually what I thought, and I mean it. But, you know, knowing that people seem to be enjoying it, I think that's what made us be like... Hey, well, let's keep doing it. You know, I think yeah. the point is, like, if it seemed to just kind of fizzle out and no one was interested, I don't think we would keep yes. doing it. So. This is known as one of Cole's earliest laws, mm-hmm. and you know it. Hmm. Do you know it? I've said it a lot. Don't do it if it's not fun? I don't know. That's that's my dad's law. Okay. My dad had that law. And he's Cole also. He's Cole also, but I've inherited all his laws, so I could, I could <laughs> technically call them mine. Okay. So which one are we talking about? Uh, some always leads to more. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm, do you think it always does, though? I mean, I think if it's something you should continue, it does. But I don't know that some always leads to more. Some, sometimes some leads to nothing, and you're like, okay, don't do this thing. Some always leads to more. Okay. I'll buy it. There are exceptions to rules. That's what makes them rules. That's true. That's true. But generally, rules are things that, you know, are, are reproducibly true. Yeah. No, that's true. And there are always exceptions yeah. to rules, so... Yeah, so... What a uh, questioning my genius and wisdom today. Hey, I totally believe in your genius, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to just pick your brain a little more. I think I should be questioned. Yeah. I should not be allowed to get away with my own ego. Isn't What's that called? The tenth man or something? The tenth man or the, the slave in the... Tenth man in my... You're the slave in my the chariot of my Roman Caesarship. Yeah, whispering. whispering all <laughs> glory. is fleeting. All glory is fleeting. And then I'm all, no, it's not. It's forever. <laughs> Just like, and it's, and that is every Hollywood actor and indie writer when the first checks come in. It's always going to be this way. You know, when you're, you're just like flipping through them Benjamins. But you know what? There are many wise old grandmas who will tell you what goes up has got to come down. This is true. Grandmas are wise. <clears throat> I, Grandmas are wise. Yeah. It is Friday. I've already told you what kind of coffee we had. That was pretty great. Friday. Fri-yay, as my mother. As, as your mom likes As my mom say. likes to say. <laughs> and I love that. She feels that Friday is an occasion for celebration. Yeah, it's cute. It I, I love it. I wonder if sort of um, 
Baron Munchausen by proxy syndrome has uh, a Baron really? <laughs> <I don't laughs> no. so. um, that was a Monty Python kind of movie oh. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen <laughs> okay. so I put Baron Munchausen by proxy syndrome uh-huh. um, I wonder if that's sort of killed Friday for, for the, the Jam Jam and Netflix living your best day drinking life like because there's not so much meaning to Friday now that they yeah. don't go to work or anything yeah. and then so they can't get as excited. Imagine the con of getting up like after a full week of lying in your own filth on the couch and like maybe breaking out the vacuum and like you knowing that you're going to do a weekend on the couch where you have to tell yourself, oh, it was a hard week and uh, you're going to sit on that couch. So you have to make it li- like like the couch is like going to be your home for the weekend. So you've got to like vacuum it out and like. Do you have the energy and the will to get the cushions out and vacuum through there, blah, blah, blah. Try to clean it up. And then you try to go out a little bit for Friday afternoon, Friday evening, to, like, pretend that you're coming home from a hard week. Yeah. And then Saturday morning you're up and I mean, so maybe they go out for, like, a snack run, you know, so they got their snacks stocked up for the couch weekend. And then they're like, whew, that was a a tough day at work today. Glad to be home for the weekend now. Do they do they have like a gut check when they're like breathing heavy after like unlocking hope. the door? Do they think, oh, yeah, I gotta get some cardio going? One would hope. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I cardio. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't have a yeah. job. I have me. I'm the job. Yeah. You know, what I mean, well, so but like. You still have a job. I there. You know, like for me, sometimes there are no Fridays. Exactly. It's just Saturday. It was more work and stuff like that. I have this thing where I like to finish novels on a Friday. That that makes me happy. But hmm. that always doesn't happen like that. But <clears throat> excuse my language. <clears throat> my clearing my throat here. It kind of does because I build my work weeks at the very end of novels. Is like okay, I have I have one week to get through this in editing, and then, so then it usually like it usually does turn out to be a Friday. And not a Saturday. No, yeah. I usually like to wrap things up by Saturday. Yeah. Nice. And uh, what would you like to discuss today? Nothing's really going on. Everything's fixed. Uh, <laughs> Everything's I think, back to uh, normal and wonderful. Gas is back down where it's supposed to be. The mandates have really fallen apart. There's no one doubling down on that. Um, if only. Let's see. What other terrible things mm. can we lie about? I want to be the mainstream media. Let's just tell lies. Like... I saw like today the jobs numbers were so abysmal, but you go over to like Twitter, their newsfeed, and and Apple, or your. I don't know if you've noticed in your hometown areas, but like even in Orange County, which is there's the old joke, Orange County has two right wings, and it's so right. Um, we have the Orange County Register, and and most local newspapers are now owned by George Soros. Oh yeah. So. The the formerly conservative Orange County Register now like takes shot at Trump's and today it was uh, Biden positive about about uh, jobs numbers in spite of slowing growth. You know that's like it literally wasn't that it was literally like abysmal jobs numbers. Yeah. You know and then you go over to Twitter and it's the same sort of like <clears throat> you know. Uh, you know, Biden, a uh, Biden administration upbeat about job growth, you know, and all these kinds of things. And it's like, and someone, we were listening to someone like a religious sermon and they were talking about sort of like evil and wickedness and how <clears throat> I have a lot of frogs in my throat today. 
And how, uh, well, I had that mocha and had a lot of milk. So mm. maybe I got some milklet going on in the maybe. back of my throat. <laughs> um, but, you know, like how, like, even given the opportunity to tell the truth or tell a lie, where there's sort of like, there's no, why, why not tell the truth? There's really no consequences. Right. That they'll even in that point still choose to tell the lie because that's what lying does to you. Yeah. If you tell enough lies, you just, you, you go towards that direction you get that far lost, things like that. And, and, you know, you tell a lie long enough, it becomes the truth. And the way it was explained is, you know, Satan is the father of all lies. So if that's kind of the side you're on, that's your language. Yeah. Like that's the language that you guys speak. But then I made the brilliant observation yesterday that it's kind of funny because people don't realize who are on the evil side. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that the guy running the evil side hates their guts. Yeah, exactly. Is that why you wanted me to write down Billy Friedkin? Was, were you going to say something about... Yeah, I was going to... I was going to... Um, because the... There's some of the topics that we've brought up and on Twitter and stuff like that about, you know, we're, we're beginning to look at evil. And I think that was really brought up by the James O'Keefe revelations with the inside Pfizer. Mm-hmm whistleblower who said yes we are using fetal cell lines in the research now mainstream media and when this eventually gets to congress they will come out and say no we're not that is a right-wing conspiracy we are not using fetal cell lines in the production or manufacturing of these things and the emphasis is on production and manufacture but they are using them for the initial research and testing and so what you're getting out of that is that, you know, no, you don't have fetal cells in you that we know of right now, um, aborted fetal cells in you that we know of right now from these vaccines. But it wouldn't surprise me if you did. But technically, no. But they, they are using that as the first step towards the research. So, you know, uh, it, it's kind of like your definition of adultery. Um, you know, is it adultery if you think it or is it adultery if you do it? Those kinds of things. The Bible was clear on that. It's a very turning to a very religious show today, but the the, the answer is that that yes, um, the pharma con- companies are engaging in this kind of Frankensteinian behavior. Then you flip over to Alex Jones yesterday, who was full on chimera. Oh yeah. Showing the crazy video. Yeah, that was insane. Um, it and he really he's like, I've looked at it really carefully. I really believe this is real. Um, and he's like, I know what to look for, you know, for all the phony stuff and whatever. He's like, I think this is real. It definitely seems real. It was, it was actually two separate videos. One was a supposedly human pig chimera in some sort of Spanish or Portuguese speaking country. I think they decided it was Spanish speaking country. Um, and then the other one was in China. And the weird thing about the one in China. Well, first off, the first one, it looked like, what would you say, like, uh, it had like a messed up kind of little old man face with like these little hanging weak legs or, you know, limbs, four limbs. They were just like, they looked like just weak, like they were just hanging there. That was like a little girl just hit our car. <laughs> Sorry, got distracted. Um, okay, so, and then the, the one in China... I think was also a human pig chimera. It looked quite different, but the weird thing about that one is the eyes were Asian-shaped eyes. And 
that it's not like their pigs and their animals over there have that shape of eyes and so that did make it seem like if that's a real video like uh they are spicing human dna in there uh chinese human dna and i mean he definitely lays out you know all these articles um that talk about this going on like for quite a few years now um even one from like national geographic and you know from sources like that you know talking about that these type of chimeric testing and and things are going on so um that was pretty crazy and rather disturbing and maybe worth a watch if you're interested in crazy weird things like that so we began to you know obviously the the pfizer revelations bring up that there's evil because okay you may not take that the the fetal cell lines you know are evil but what the documents acknowledge is that the hierarchy of pfizer was aware that this would be an objectionable point and instead of just telling people the fully informed truth like wouldn't like i I thought this was the you know we've got to label every big mac and cheeseburger so everybody has the fair you know calories and all this you know like we've got to do all this stuff but when it comes to us big pharma making money we can just obscure what's in this because we don't want you to know because there are some of you that would object and we think your objections are stupid and we think the things that you believe in are stupid and so we just want to force our way and it's like yeah but you don't think that about cheeseburgers and milkshakes and all these kinds of things i'm like i don't think you should be able to do anything unless you tell people what's in it and then let them decide but you know again we're in this runaway totalitarian you know society where big tech and pharma are mixed up with media and government and they really think it's a big giant hassle to have to fully inform you and to give you the facts because they don't trust you and they have this very specific set of outs. So we see that in the news, the constant lying. Now we're seeing it from big pharma. So they knew and so the, the documents that are revealed by James O'Keefe are basically saying, the executive saying, yes, this fetal cell testing is in there and it would be inconvenient right now for the public to have to know this. So please don't tell people. Please cover this up. And that's, you know, I mean, that's as Watergate covery up as you get. But because it's not a Republican, because it's not our side, it's kind of like the black kid in Texas who went on the shooting spree. You didn't hear about that in the mainstream media. Now, if that had been a white kid, if that had been a white person, if that had been a Brad Paisley listener, MAGA or deplorable we'd literally be having another conversation on, you know, Anderson Cooper, problem glasses. It's time to do something about this. You know, AOC, you know, and and the squad going in there and throwing another temper tantrum about how we've got to stop this violence. But because it was the identitarian Pollux, a young black male, not shooting in self-defense, but shooting in revenge, we're not going to hear about that. And here's the other one. Did you know the kid got released to go home for the day? Yeah. Yeah. He gets to go home. Everybody, the the January, the January six people, they're still in solitary confinement. Kyle but but spe- you know, and then you gotta watch. Yeah. There is a bunch of stuff going on where um, magic people. That's what I call anybody who's identitarian identified. Magic people are not facing a lot of criminal prosecution. Right. To the point that there have been two major shootouts and the prosecutors, which are all Soros-backed prosecutors, are saying, no, they were just resolving an internal conflict. 
the police don't need to be involved and all these kinds of things. That is a really dangerous precedent. That is the unequal scales which will drive America insane, and they're doing that on purpose because as soon as people that they identify as enemies of identitarian politics do the same thing, they will throw the book at them times 10. And they want you to be enraged and upset about that so that you help them break the system so that they can install their totalitarian dictator, which will not be so benevolent for us, but will be benevolent for them. And that's why that's why they're doing sort of all these insane things that you can clearly see are as insane. So with the Pfizer things, going back to the, the discussion on the topic of evil, that is evil. That is evil to lie to some people about something that you are going to put inside people knowing that some of those people say, I religiously object to this, like, but it's okay, that's Christians. But what if it were like halal pork for Muslims? You know, oh, then that would be the biggest thing in the world. But since it's you Christians and your stands on, uh, you know, uh, abortion and, and pro-life and choice and all these kinds of things, we feel very comfortable in lying to you because we don't respect you, which is why people tell lies. They don't respect the people. They have contempt for them. They don't want to be accountable. They don't trust or honor them enough to tell the truth. So they were caught doing that, and that's basically evil. And so that was the discussion of evil. And people began to talk about one of the great debates of sort of postmodern history in the world, which was in the 70s, there began to be this movement. It was even before that, but it really came to rise in the 70s. And you see, you see it very much now with... There's nothing wrong unless it's something that we decide's wrong. So there's nothing wrong with gender identity. You know, you can you can have you know men pretending to be women and they can compete and win, and they can punch women. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't think the things that we do, then we're going to criminalize everything that you do. African American child shoots a bunch of kids at a school. Nothing wrong with that. Parents go to school to question critical race theory. They are labeled as domestic terrorists, and the FBI says they're going to investigate them to chill that discussion. And the chill is the Big Brother Orwellian, you better watch out, Big Brother. And that that is, to me, as evil as it gets. Yeah. So an interesting story that someone that I said I would tell somebody on, on Facebook is the time that Single White Medusa and I did an opera... And by did an opera, Single White Medusa was singing in the opera. But I was just doing one of the background roles in opera. They call that a super. So a super is like the guy who acts as the king's guard. You get to wear armor. Or he carries the pharaoh around. Or he chops off someone's head. You do all the non-singing sort of physical acting roles that need to be done. Sometimes you do stunt fighting. Sometimes you just stand there for hours on end. Sometimes one of the weirdo singers tries to push you down his flight of stairs and kill you because they think that'd be funny. Which really happened. <laughs> Which really to happened. Him. <laughs> Almost. Uh, but I kept my feet under me. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was agile. Thank God. Yeah. It could have been bad. It was like that time the Iraqi guy threw the shoe at George Bush. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we were doing an opera. So we're doing that opera. And the opera was called the Tritico, as in it's three operas in one, and it's Swore Angelica, which is which is kind of a pro-life opera, actually. And then it's the one about the French... Well, Il Tabaro comes Il Tabaro is about these one. French uh, uh, dock workers. And, mm-hmm. and then it's just basically like young, hot dock, work, dock worker, 
runs off with strumpet of boat captain boat captain kills everybody that's kind of a standard theme in opera <laughs> and that was really fun and i was in that one and i had to smoke these like fake cigarettes so that was kind of fun except the young hot guy was this guy named lachitra who would end up having a stroke on a moped and then plow into a wall and die later but he was really funny he was like the the most italian person you've ever <laughs> met in your life and like super emphatic like he was so italian that i pretty much copied him for soda pop soldier in the way that he spoke and then i turned that into harper collins and they're like oh we're uncomfortable with the way that you're portraying italians and i'm like really because i work with them and this is what they sound like yeah <laughs> and they were like okay we'll go away because we only scan for offense and read identitarian things and wouldn't it be great if we had a gay transgender lord of the rings you know like that's <laughs> that's that's your average trade pub conversation right um but i digress so lachitra was just a total whore and i say that because he would probably say that about himself and it's okay oh yeah i mean he's uh, <laughs> a total whore you'd catch him constantly and so i'm on like stage that. and i and i'm and i'm supposed to smoke a cigarette a fake cigarette and then hand it to lachitra and that sort of french film norway where guys used to share cigarettes which germaphobe me would never do i'm like i'm not here here is a cigarette go smoke this one all by yourself that's what i would have done when i used to smoke and um and so i handed the cigarette one night and i noticed this huge cold sore on his lip and then like he smokes it hands it back to me and literally it was like i was working with uranium 223 you know i think that's the like literally i didn't smoke it i just i held it like oh my gosh <laughs> like now the entire scene became about me getting rid of this cigarette and then i noticed that like the first thing like i, I never shared a cigarette with him so like the rest of the opera my joy at smoking fake cigarettes as a reformed smoker on stage in front of four thousand people um was killed because now I had to I had to handle biohazard cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what does that have to do with Billy Friedkin? Well, the Tritico was a superstar effort by the totally disgraced Me Too uh, womanizer rapist Placido Domingo, <laughs> who used to run L.A. Opera until he got fired for being a rapist and a womanizer really badly it was like the biggest fall in opera ever he's a horrible person so anyways um and that's like known that's like legal like that's not me making I mean, stuff up i would have like one no he had to settle with wibble. people he had to agree just, with it i don't know that we know actual rapists yeah. but I would yeah say the chick like, the chick from the chick from dc said yeah. he raped her well, oh, yeah oh, that's yeah. Right. yeah he was okay. a bad guy okay he was a really bad yes. bad bad Major guy everyone yeah. there knew it yeah so I'd like to take this part of the podcast to present the sponsorship, which is Placido Domingo is a really bad, bad guy. Yeah. So, uh, and he should never be allowed around anything ever again. So anyways, um, did I tell you he was a bad guy? Placido Domingo, bad guy. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, Placido wanted to do this sort of superstar thing. And so he got Woody Allen to direct one opera go figure woody but, and yeah. placido the third one of that <laughs> yeah. trilogy and we didn't get to be in woody's opera which was gianni skiki which is really and, he, and the set was beautiful it's very woody allen it's very wacky it was very cool um and that's a fun like if you ever see like a production of johnny skiki there's a lot of music in there you would recognize from bugs bunny um and it's a funny opera 
So it's like, and it's a short opera. The problem with opera is you can really get sucked into a big long commitment. So you want to, you want small bites. Um, so the opera that I was in was Il Tritico with Lachitra and his cold sore. Il Tabaro. Il Tabaro. Tritico's the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing. And um, and then, then Billy Friedkin. So I will refresh your your memory who Billy Friedkin is. Billy Friedkin, Friedkin was directing Tabaro and Swarangelica. And I was in both, actually. I had a small role in Swarangelica, and then I was in Tabaro as my smoking stevedore, mm-hmm. my big role. And uh, so Billy Friedkin directed The Exorcist. And he's directed a few other things, but The Exorcist is pretty much as big as it gets. And for those of you who are younger in this podcast, you might just think, oh, that's an old scary movie. But, like, I was a little kid when The Exorcist came out, and that movie freaked everybody out. It was bigger than Blair Witch Project. It was just, like, it was all about, you know, demonic possession and this little girl. And, like, it was a seminal, huge movie. Now, Billy Friedkin is the nicest man in the entire world. I mean, not the entire world, but he's a really great guy. But he's very Hollywood, and he's he's very, you know, that, that kind of guy, like very player he's old he's very player his wife sherry lansing ran abc they're loaded he has tons of money he was really just doing the opera a favor by directing for them but very old school hollywood cool guy threw us like a twenty thousand dollar after party like just for the people and unlike the the opera people because they're such like loser snobs they didn't like him so he really hung out with all the supers and like really dug us and and we just had a great time and he would do these things like there was this one prop master he's like well you can't bring the boat in on stage and he would say well they told me um that i would never make any money with the exorcist and last time i checked it made i think it was like a billion worldwide so i think i can do anything i want like that was like a standard billy Friedkin answer to things and we all laughed because the prop master was a jerk and you know you just kind of like like generally the opera people would just push everybody around so us lowly supers we liked it when people came in and pushed them around that was a great joy for us he was our hero still is um so uh he would do these things like throw a twenty thousand dollar after party like it was the best operative ever worked on and he would cater um lunches and and have like a craft service table which is standard in hollywood if you're a star and all that kind of stuff but when you're it was never an opera they never had that an opera they have like the opera league come in and it's all these old people and they get to see the opera for free so they make some potato salad and some macaroni salad and other dishes and they leave them in their cars to get nice and hot and then they come watch the opera and then they go get them out of then they feed them to you and then you have food poisoning for a week but billy would actually hire a restaurant to come in and bring you like all these nice things and set it up he was really cool um, and he directed The Exorcist. So on one of the last like performances before the show ran, we had like an we had an offstage catered meal, and I got to sit and have uh, dinner with him. And so we were talking, and I said, "Did the Catholic Church ever say anything about The Exorcist to you?" Um, because I would, had always kind of figured like it's such like it's such held as kind of like a universally evil movie because it's really it's really dark stuff. And I always thought, like, I bet they were really upset about that. And he goes, well, he goes, that's interesting. He goes, the Vatican asked for a special screening of The Exorcist for themselves. And I screened it for him. 
and they relate it to the Pope and everything like that. And he said, do you know what they came back and told me? I said, no. That's why I asked you this question. And he said that they approved of the movie, that the Pope and the Vatican approved of the movie on the basis of one thing. And that was that the movie acknowledged the existence of evil. And he said, you have to go back to the 1970s, which I was just a little kid. He said, we were having this great discussion on there's no such thing as good or evil, which is kind of where we're at now. All the really jacked up, weird, teach kids how to, you know, do things they shouldn't be doing and molest themselves and be molested by adults. And, you know, the government's lying, media's lying, tech's lying. We're going to put science animal stuff inside of you with aborted fetal cells, you know, and the the presidents are all going to lie and there's no accountability and the politicians are going to lie and we're going to take your money, your tax dollars, and we're going to spend it on truly evil stuff and we're going to devalue it and we're going to tax it. It's like all this evil stuff is finally coming to fruition. But back in the 1970s was the beginning of the debate between good and evil not between good and evil, but the existence of good and evil and not existing, which is what you wanted to see a lot of these, what, which is what a lot of these freaks who now run colleges or run major networks, sort of the husk lib class, that's what they were working for all along is to get to this point where there's no such thing as evil. And then the other side of it was accept the things that you do that we don't agree with. Those, you know, like it's funny how the left has become the decider of moral evil. Like Donald Trump was the most evil person ever on the basis of what? Well, he was a racist. You mean with his Jewish daughter and her husband, you know, and his uh, and his uh, he used to date black women and all that. Like he's a racist. Oh, yeah, he's a racist because he said very fine people. And you're like, you know, that's a hoax. Right. And they're like, no, Joe Biden based his entire campaign on it. And you're like, I know. That tells you he's a liar. And they're like, no, you're a liar and you're a fool. And when Biden gets elected, the entire world's going to be better. And you're going to be like paying three times as much for gas. And they're like, no, you know, all the crap now. So take a breath. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> the debate in the 70s was that there was no such thing as evil. And what the Catholic Church liked about the film The Exorcist is that even though it was violent and ugly and depiction, you know, a very harrowing depiction of demonic possession, um, it was still making the case that evil exists. And, and it's just such a strange argument because we know that evil exists. We know these things, but, but it's been so bandied about to mean the person that I don't agree with is evil. Like, and no one in the modern experience has any understanding of Pol Pot, Stalin, Mao Zedong, or Hitler, who are truly, truly evil people. And then we have these serial killers, you know, like, and, and it, there was this study done a long time ago about, there were 27 different, this, this college, you know, university, did this, like, there are these 27 different gradients of evil. And it was something like the last five or whatever were, like, just truly diabolical, and they do exist all the way from the narcissistic, sociopathic world leader down to there are common, average, ordinary people that walk the earth among you right now and could be sitting in the cube next to you that live lives of incredible evil. Wow, that's crazy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> he always just like throws the mic in my face. Can I bring up uh, another topic? Yeah. Speaking of evil, um, Trump, I guess there was yeah. like he just did an interview with Hannity yeah. and now um, as much as possible, it's been this at least this portion of it has been scrubbed from the Internet of him basically saying, you know, like most of us just probably think of, um, you know, the countries that are um, so many people are pouring in here from um, that maybe three or four countries like we used to mainly think that, you know, Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, whatever, like that's mainly who's coming in right illegally. But he was saying and that's he's like, that's what I thought, too. And I think that's how it was. But he's like, literally, there are people from about 50 countries and literally those countries are emptying their prisons and sending their people over here. And But like from 50 countries. And I was like, whoa, that's insane. Yeah, but to be fair, most of those people in those prisons are most likely um, the MAGA deplorables of that country. They're the insurrectionists who are trying mm-hmm. to like stand in the way of climate change and who are racist. And against vaccines. And against vaccines. And so those are the ones that are coming from the Nicaraguan and El Salvadoran prisons. And then he had some kind of choice things to say about Haiti. And, and and it's almost like he knows that the left will go, oh, my gosh. I can't believe that he said Haitians have AIDS. Oh, right. He's and so HIV right. and hepatitis. <laughs> and it's kind of weird. The media hasn't totally bitten on it because that's a standard Trump tactic. Yeah. is say something and make them get all up in arms about it because they live in a bubble where they think, oh, you can't say someone has AIDS and everything like that. They didn't take the bait because they know that it's bad. Mm. And yes, Haiti is rife with AIDS, rife with AIDS. And a lot of the people that are coming here have AIDS and HIV. Make of that whatever you will. But you are now going to have a higher infection rate and burden on your healthcare system because of that. And you will pay for that because there's no such thing as a free lunch. And you could be injured in an auto accident in places like California. And you could get that blood transfused into you because it is not illegal here for that to be done. And I was going to say, hopefully none of those people will rape anyone because then also that person may get AIDS. They would, well, they would rape you because they're MAGA deplorables from Haiti. (laughs) So they would do that. And And they don't believe in climate change. So, no, all that's bullshit. The truth is there's some really bad people coming over the border. Very bad people. And we're even starting to see kind of a lot of Haitians here. We're seeing a few Haitians here. And they're just wandering around, looking like homeless people with stuff. I've heard other stories, too, of people taking them around and buying them stuff and blah, blah, blah. There is is definitely... Now, a lot of people are not putting the two and two together. The Clinton Foundation was huge and active in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, what people are talking about, all these migrants coming to the border, especially the Haitians ones, is that they're definitely organized, definitely being directed, and definitely have a plan. There's tons of financing, credit cards, cash cards being given to them, phones, all these kinds of things. All this is coming from you. Um, but it, it's showing that this is not they all got up one morning and decided to do this. This is really sort of the Clinton arm of the DNC and it, there's an argument to how much that is but uh, this is this is definitely their plan to do replacement migration um, they know that our n- native black population black Americans um, are beginning to trend right 
are beginning to um, become more conservative, uh, are beginning to rise in earnings, um, jobs taking their place in there. And so what you're seeing with the Democratic Party, maybe the Clinton arm, is they're like, those people are no longer of use to them. They were of use for the 40 years. They were able to keep them down and blame all the problems on the Republicans and racism. But, you know, those those people are now, you know, rising out of that or having opportunities or doing whatever they want with their lives and rejecting the the um, policies of the Democrat Party. And so in true like fashion of like, hey, you should be taking credit for that Democratic Party or. You know, you should be happy because you were really championing, championing the championing <laughs> these people, and I would think that you would be proud for their success. And instead, they're like, "Oh no, we'll just replace them with these black people that are pretty close to zombies in a lot of ways. Um, they're malnourished. Uh, they have been raised desperately in desperate situations." They have like Haiti is a very very dark place. It's a very un, not nice place, and now those things are coming here, and and the Democrat Party is saying, great, um, we're tired of our black people. We're going to get new black people that we can control and ruin their lives. So, I don't know. To me, that feels evil. I would think that you'd just be invested in people. Doesn't have anything to do with color, but maybe you look at a race and you go, that that race has had a pretty tough go of it and we want to do right by them and you know i'm like that in my own life you you don't have to like like me or do whatever but i'm just happy when things are going well for people even people who've like declared themselves to be my enemies and i knew that they had kind of declared themselves to be my enemies but then i saw that they were going through a hard time and then i just you know let them know like hey you know i'm in there i'm pulling for you and everything like that and that broke them in a lot of ways i've 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 seen people who, you know, because I, having been in publishing and being around writers, they always want to like turn somebody into Hitler. So I've been Hitler for them and blah blah blah. But if someone's doing well and and I know they don't like me, I still congratulate them, you know, and stuff like that. And then I see them kind of stop for a moment and go, oh, I thought this guy was really bad, you know, like that's kind of what you're supposed to do, not just like, oh, you're of no use to me, so now I'm gonna replace you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also I think that the fact that, which I was going to say one more thing, there will now be more black violence. There will now be more, more social issues that will be blamed on black people because of these Haitians. And so of course that's going to go be lumped in on all black Americans. And so it's going to, again, you know, which they love, it's going to then create more division and animosity and then they're hoping, oh, that'll drive them back to us because we'll tell everybody that that's upset about this black violence that, you know, everybody else is racist. And it's like, that's not helping anybody because yeah. it's not about that. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was sort of going to say. Just like the fact that apparently so many of these are being released from jail in other countries to be brought over here. Like I told the you, amount, they're deplorables. The amount. They just love Donald Trump in Haiti. <laughs> the amount of criminal... The only people that should ever be in jail are MAGA people. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, and there are a lot of hardcore rapists, murderers, pedophiles, drug addicts, drug dealers, drug traffickers, and every awful embezzlement. Wait till your ID gets stolen. All that kind of stuff. Mm. Those are the kind of people that are actually in real jails around the world. Yeah. And they're coming. 
they're now coming. Oh, boy. Well, and like we've done, not we, but the the country, the stupid parts of the country have done all this police defunding. So great. Okay, so we got less police and now more, tons more dangerous, violent criminals. That's great. They want the chaos. Yeah, they want the chaos because the first wave was defund the police, defund the fire department, defund all the racist organizations. And now it's kind of convenient. Now we're heading into the dark winter, and the second wave is get the vaccine or you lose your job. Meanwhile, there are literally European states now that are saying, hey, we're halting Moderna. We're halting this. This is not good. There's a wave of death. You can look at these vaccine spikes where everything's fine, and and then they initiate the vaccine, and you suddenly get cases going through the roof. We just listened to a nurse today who is seeing people coming back to the hospital three and four not four times and and reporting vaccine injury events on VAERS for the same double vaccinated person three to four times. Yeah. The other thing that was really weird, uh, speaking of that interview, um, was that she said the weird thing is um, because it sometimes is causing um, two, two opposite things with platelets. Obviously, it's causing the blood clotting, right? But then it's also causing for some people like um, not enough platelets, which is like um, that would kind of make your blood not clot enough, right? Like where you would kind of internally bleed. So, but somehow patients that were already on blood thinning medications um, just for normal, normal health stuff, normal life, they already were. um, Then they get vaccinated and they're like dying of blood clots and like that doesn't make sense like they're already on blood thinning medication how is that even happening so i don't know there's like really weird stuff with that and that's crazy i'm gonna say that there's a couple of keys um there are lots of the vaccine and their sequencing numbers mm-hmm. I think so. that concerns me now in an inventory sense you would want to know those things but if everything is the same then there shouldn't be really any problems there but that what that tells me in just a very cursory way, cursory way, and yes, I know there needs to be inventory and all these kinds of things, and also, if there were suddenly a bad lot of vaccine, you'd want to trace it back. That's in a best-case-we-care-about-you scenario. I'm not actually seeing best-case-we-care-about-you. In fact, the people that lie about everything and who I have learned to navigate everything by saying the opposite of whatever they say is true mm-hmm. are the people saying, oh, we care about you the most not the MAGA deplorable people, and you're like, okay, so you're, you probably hate my guts. But the first clue is the lots and the difference and things like that. That in a, in a sort of conspiracy sense, what that tells me is that possibly certain communities, certain even people, you know, are getting different things and that could be targeted. And then it could just be random. I've heard that 15% are actual vaccines, 85% are saline solution, those kinds of things. There have been people who have tested or or taken the vaccine, I think, and then shown not to have it. And then there's been like, there's been a lot of shenanigans, but the biggest shenanigan was the thing that we saw this week on the Stu Peters show, um, which is this, we talked about it, the lady who does the blood work and everything like that. She's seeing these black discs come in. They did. They went into that further. Some people who had uh, expertise in that area kind of came in and they said, okay, well, what those are is those are not bubbles. Those are not amoebas or anything like that. Oh, no. They said they're not amoebas because they're even. Mm-hmm. And they said, but what they do look like are synthesized bubble structures. 
that are actually material and are actually growing. And they said what you use those for is to their delivery system. Yeah. And then when the blood dries and the bubbles degrade, which the material degrades, then there's these weird sort of black strings that hang out. Mm-hmm. So the things that you brought up that are weird and unexplainable, I would definitely attribute to the accredited accreation black discs within the virus, uh, the, the vaccine, that seem to come with the vaccine. It's unclear if they suddenly clump together. They do seem to like, they seem to like, once they're inside of you, they begin to form and clump together. Yeah, it then they, but then they create, then they deliver something. Mm-hmm. So if they're, the, my question would be like, okay, if the black discs are a delivery system, why do they all need to be clumped together to deliver? Hmm. Why wouldn't they just open? Well, that tells me that there's some sort of nano thing that they, they need to be together they need to forge something and then release it. That would be it. You you are getting injected with tiny na- nanobots that are essentially nanofactories. They're, they're taking components within your body. They are clumping together. They're forming a small duration factory. They're manufacturing that thing and then releasing it and dying. Yeah. That, that's what that would tell me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I've thought the same thing that there are maybe... I've also thought, like, um, besides maybe targeting specific areas and and groups, which they could be, if anything, I've just thought maybe they want to test out a bunch of, like, kind of slightly different variations, and and those are, like, the different lots, and they know what they all correspond to, and they're kind of tracking kind of what happens with each one, but I don't know. Like, it's so hard to know because they lie so much, and they get caught lying so much. It's like you kind of have to do guesswork and you know keep getting the and they get caught lying and, and then and, and then, then anybody who questions them is called a liar and war is made on them and their youtube channels are taken down and they're unpersoned and they're attacked financially and i think and we're that's when you know I think the we're stuff getting, is true yeah. so you kind of look to that stuff except like, now okay. they're starting to round people up what you do know? you mean people are starting to get arrested oh right yeah you know? exactly and, and we're getting to that point where i mean they're calling like anybody who dissents dangerous and that's that's the language that you have to begin to pay attention to because those are the 5 a.m no knock raids yeah and then bye bye we don't see you forever wow and it feels pretty close to that huh i think it's probably most likely already happening yikes yeah there are people that i have lost track of on facebook that were the biggest you know ardent supporters of nick cole books no, I love your books. I mean, like people who were like, I'm thinking of like a couple of names, like super. And now they could have died. They could have deleted their account. I don't know, but I am noticing a lot of people disappearing, which is why I made this stack so that I at least have your email address and, and I can, you know, tell you about my book. I, I really don't email much other than like the podcast. You get like, if we make the podcast, we email and then, like, if I release a book, then I, I'll probably drop, like, a quick note on the stack. But it's not like, you know, here's my, I'm going to sell you some supplements and blah, blah, blah. So you might want to make sure if you're just listening on um, 
the pod services like Apple iTunes pods or whatever, go over to the control alt revolt sub stack and just put in your email, subscribe. You don't have to do the membership or anything like that. You do get extra stuff. You get, you know, get some cool stuff, discounts on things and everything like that. If you do want to do a membership, but if you just want to make sure I can stay in touch with you, then just subscribe by leaving your email address. And trust me, I don't send out emails unless I, for a book I release, I don't release books that often, you know, four to five times a year. Um, but no supplements, no, you know, weight loss tips, no emergency. You've got to watch this video. That's all covered in the Substack, but it does make me wonder if it's going on now in certain ways, the disappearing or, you know, I think it's definitely coming. I, I guess we can say that. I'm wondering though, on what level it's happening now. So, because it's got to be happening on some level. That Merrick Garland, Garland thing of wanting to chill parents by saying he's going to sick the FBI on them. The fact that people who took a tour of the unsanctioned tour of the Capitol on January 6th are still in some sort of solitary confinement. That's just weird. That's that's, someone... that's weird. Banana Republic yeah. that Hunter Biden can break every financial law and weapon law. Like If you broke the weapon laws that he did, you would be in jail right now. He's not in jail. And everybody from Facebook to NBC News covered that shit up. Yeah. And as someone pointed out, like the January 6th people are being treated worse than uh, the Islamic terrorists were in Guantanamo Bay. Muslims are heroes. Crazy. But like MAGA people are the worst. They killed over 3000 people on 9-11 and like people that just were at the Capitol. And then they got released and they went back to Afghanistan and killed more people. Yeah, exactly. The bomber who blew up the Marines got released by Biden. That's insane. That's insane. I will switch gears. Hey, maybe we'll try to do a podcast on Saturday because we didn't do one on Thursday. Uh, We might make it an insiders only just to make sure we treat the insiders right. So that might be a time to subscribe. See what kind of fun stuff is going to happen. I will leave you with this last um, little thought, two thoughts. Um, The supply chain is breaking down. Now would be a good time to order a turkey. Get a turkey have it shipped to you on or about the 18th or the 19th don't have it shipped on the last day like the 23rd because there might be supply chains and you might get it disrupted um is a turkey everything in the entire world no but we like it and it anchors us to our american values in which the pilgrims were having a rough go of it and then some nice indians came out of the woods and showed them how to plant crops that were local and fertilize them with fish and then the pilgrims made it and the only reason the pilgrims made it was because they wanted to come here and do their jam and their jam was a little extreme religiously and you know blah 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 but at the end of the day they just wanted to do their thing and that's what america is all about and then there were some nice indians i call them indians because i'm half american indian and i can do whatever the hell i want to do i don't like native americans they're indians woo 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 yeah, hey, if, you, if, yeah. if you're part Indian, you Yeah, can I can do whatever I want, mofos. <laughs> so, I'm proud Cherokee, I can do that. So, um, the, uh, the Indians were nice and helped him out, and they had turkey, and then the pilgrims were able to kind of do their thing. So, it's important to have turkey to be grateful, whether you believe in God or not, you know, just to be grateful that... You have a land. It's not totally gone. We can fight this, and we may have to fight, but we can we can still have a country. And 
it's about what Thanksgiving is about. Yeah, it's about playing football or just sitting around watching the Star Wars prequels again and just having that same, you know, Aunt Pam's recipe turkey or whatever it is that you have. Try something new this year. Um, Single White Medusa has a great chipotle and thyme stuffing turkey that's or is it chipotle stuffing chipotle and thyme turkey man that is my jam that is really good i can already taste it but it's about being grateful and on the subject of being grateful there was uh, a person who's in my facebook feed and i think they read my books and they had their brother died this week and their brother was 65 years old and he had down syndrome and he lived a long and full and happy and wonderful life and the parents, you know, like doctors came initially and said, this child will be a vegetable in a tree and it'll ruin your life. You're great. World War II, postmodern, go-go. We're all going to have Jetsons, rocket ship, pants, style your hair, future, which none of us got. Um, but the parents fought and they said, no, he's going to have a great... And they fought every inch of the way and the kid had a great life and he worked in hospitals and he loved it and he had friends and he traveled and he did all these things and then... Sometimes people with Down syndrome, you know, they degrade a little faster later in life. And so Alzheimer's came on him. And the daughter just told the, or the sister just told this really wonderful story about her brother and the great life that he had. And we're moving into this Frankensteinian future where, you know, we have these elites that talk about euthanasia and, and they decide whose life is good. And the dangerousness of them deciding whose life, they, I mean, like Iceland said, We've eliminated Down syndrome. Do you know how they eliminated Down syndrome? They just euthanized all the people with Down syndrome. We cured it. No, you didn't. You you created you committed genocide, and you also judged the quality of someone's life. And and the danger to the rest of us is when you decide that the person with Down syndrome doesn't have the quality of life that that you think everybody should have. Well, what happens when you get to the way that I think about freedom and guns? Is that when you're going to euthanize me? And the answer is yes. You know it. I know it. That's what this is all headed to. They don't care about the Down syndrome people. They want to move the argument to euthanizing you. Okay, so I diverged politically away from gratefulness for a moment. But there was one comment that she made in the entire telling of her brother's wonderful life. And it has stuck with me ever since from hearing it. And it was this. She said, if you took him to the movies... He acted as like as if you'd given him a million dollars. And I think about that in my own life. And I think about the people that I know who are grateful. Like you're if I buy you something, you act like that. I'm always grateful. Yeah. You I are. never expect anything from anyone. I am grateful for anything that anyone ever does for me. And that's why I love to buy you things. Yeah. And if you buy your relatives some turkeys and they act like that, that's cool too. But I'm just thinking in our own lives, like it's it's been, you know, going through all this politics and, you know, evil leftist totalitarian genocide pucky, it, it, it kind of could be hard to be grateful. You know, I mean, sometimes we're so caught up in the sort of bitterness and the anger and the wanting, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a righteous anger. It's a righteous indignation. I'm not, I don't want to be the, one of those people who comes in and, and is contrarian about it and says, oh, you shouldn't really be angry. You know, you should just be nice about all the horrible shit that's being done to you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a time and a place for you to be righteously angry. There's a time and a place for you to go to war on this stuff. But at the same time, the hard part about that is you lose a gratefulness for the little things. And so ask yourself in your life, like, when was the last time 
that someone gave you something and you acted like that guy that like someone took you to the movies and you acted like they gave you a million dollars i gotta look for that in my own life i gotta i gotta reconnect with that and make sure that i'm acting like that i think we all kind of maybe need that at this moment and so those are the things to think about heading into the the fall and the thanksgiving and i don't know what the importance of that is just i thought i'd share that to you it stuck with me if you took him to the movies he acted like you'd given him a million dollars and that is the podcast